All right, on this episode, I clearly still have COVID. Uh, we're going under the hood and covering your headlines very remotely. Uh, we are also profiling the legends, the birth of the Miata, and finally, childhood seat, childhood seat time. Um, what are we discussing on childhood seat time? <laughs> Power Wheels edition. <laughs> Power Wheels edition. All right, let's get it going. This thing is a freaking monster. <laughs> <laughs> all right welcome to 91 octane i am john i'm randy and we are in a cold lodge very clearly <laughs> in a cold yeah. lodge uh for today's episode but let's get right into our headlines randy you want to kick us off Sure. So in Florida, the fine state of Florida, they are starting to consider fining drivers for playing music too loud. Uh, I don't know if you saw this one, John. I did. I you did. did. So if you are with um, making noise or music that can be heard around 25 feet away, they could, you, they could find you, they being the police, could fine you $114. A, in this article, it says a Chevy Suburban is 19 feet long. Yeah. Yeah. So about a Suburban and a quarter, and you're already too loud by somebody's standards. How, like, as a convertible driver, how is that fair to me? Because no matter what, you'll be able to hear my, my music at whatever volumes beyond a 25-foot range. This is just... It's silly. I don't know. Like, right? Am I wrong or am I right? I think you're right. And, but, and like, you know, I tend to be on the more extreme side of these situations and, yes. and these legislations. I, I, I can't even call this a money grab. I think this is a power grab. Yeah. You right. think like, like at quarter volume on any car, if you have the windows down, you're exceeding yeah. that 25 feet limit. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And yes. then two, like, who measures the 25 feet, right? Like, how, right. Do you, how do you justify what distance you were from the offending vehicle as a police mm -hmm. officer? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is, it's it's now, it's giving more power to the police officers right. to, to make stops. And, and you're right. right. Like, I mean, it, it, it gives them, it can be anybody listening to anything on the radio almost when you come to my house i can hear your radio blasting even with your windows closed i can hear your music there from you my go. garage there from you my go. garage and that's more than 25 feet away from yes. where i park my car yeah so it's 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 really what this law is saying is that if we want to get you for something we will be able to now that we have this Ah, yeah. Because and, and that includes, you know, exhaust laws and and apparently the penalties are worse if you're around a school, a church. Yes, that's or, right. Or yeah. um, a hospital. Yes. You know, and it's. I mean, I guess it is a cash grab because it's really just a fine, at least right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But if they're pulling, if they have a reason to pull you over, right, and like. That could be their excuse. At exactly. Period. Like this, this yeah. opens up like profiling 
you know, yes. pretty, yep. pretty easily at this point. Now they can say, oh, your music was just too loud. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fine you for this. And yep. for a person to be able to fight it, I find it nearly impossible, right? Because, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, if you can afford the litigation, maybe you can get a lawyer to argue on your behalf that, you know, how do they know it was 25 feet? How do I know that this cop doesn't have supersonic hearing, right? Because yes. it's all open to interpretation. Not everyone hears the same thing the same way. So, right. uh, yeah, this is this is a disaster. I, I don't know. I see it fall. I see it going away pretty soon. I would hope so. I mean, you're right about the profiling piece. Once it's like hip hop or ethnic music of any sort, yeah, it'll automatically get like somebody's uh, bells ringing, and they'll just be like, "Hey." And throw a ticket at you. No, nope, there should no be a problem. requirement, like you know, what type of music was playing when you pulled them over, <laughs> right? Yeah, I would love right. to see that data. Oh, so then that you they could they could justify that they heard clearly what type of music it was. Yeah, exactly. Like other than just noise, right? Right, because if you're if you're within twenty five feet, you're gonna be able to make out what the music is. Yep, at least the yep. type of music. Yeah, like when you're when you're playing your music, I can hear that it's polka. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit though, I do listen to my music a little louder than normal. Even with the windows up? Even with the windows up, yeah. Mm. Windows down, yeah. I mean it's a windows down obviously it's gonna be a little louder because it's Yes. I can't hear it because of the wind, but Yeah. But I've been pulled over for sound in college by Irvine PD. And, really? Yeah, and they their statement was I could hear you a hundred feet away, and and I got a ticket for for sound ordinance. Yeah, yeah. So I've been there. It exists, not yeah. as explicitly as you know if your music is loud past twenty five feet, but you know this exists in a lot of states, and it, it and notoriously it has been abused. So they let, gave you a ticket. Oh yeah, they- yeah. They gave me and a ticket. He, you didn't fight it. You just paid it. Uh, I tried to, but I couldn't. He showed up, and he said I was loud, and I was an obnoxious Latino in Irvine. So uh, you can see how that went. Yeah. So I had to pay. I think I got a reduced fine. It was like from like three hundred something and like two hundred something bucks. It was expensive, man. Three hundred yeah, in like the two thousands. Yeah. yeah. There might have been a late fee in there too, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But yeah, yeah. yeah, wow. And dude was like, I mean, he was, he was not happy like at all. The dude that pulled me over, he was so he was bu- mad that I was playing music. What, was, what were you in residential? Where where in Irvine were you? I was leaving campus, but I was so, I had I had made it across the street into where the apartments are but all those apartments are students yes you know yeah. like it's not and it's like in the middle of the day it's, oh it was in the daytime okay oh, yeah. oh it's absolutely in the middle of the daytime i was leaving class literally leaving class i did you know to his credit i'll give him some stuff i did have two 12s in the back oh. of my e36 <laughs> was but it bumping it, hard no i hadn't gotten to you know like when I bump music, it takes a little while to warm up to the volume that I want it at. 
Like, okay. you know, when I leave okay. the house, it's just that normal volume, and then it'll, yeah. I'll start tweaking it up here and there as mm-hmm. the road noises start coming into the car. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was. I had just left campus, so I was probably, like, halfway up at that point. Okay. Yeah, and then I get pulled over immediately. He's like, I could hear you from 100 miles away or 100 feet away, and this, this, this and that. And, and I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. Um, I'm not being confrontational, but I'm also not being, like, appeasing. I'm just oh, kind of okay. like, yeah, I'm just kind of yeah. like, okay, whatever, dude, you know, just give me my ticket, I guess. Because he, uh, he, he came in, like, I mean, he was furious. I couldn't understand why he was so mad. Um, but he was like, you know, old school, like boomer, like eighty oh, mustache okay. type of yeah. dude, you know, okay. so you could imagine okay. how that was. Wow. But yeah, I feel bad for my fellow Floridians, man, because yeah, you know, that's especially Miami, hey. man. Miami yes. known for noise, you know. Like, yeah, exactly. So exactly, can't get jiggy with it anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for a good quote. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's get into our head. Next headline: uh, yes. Your time is over, sellers. Uh, it, the used market tide has turned, and now it seems to be going in the favor of buyers. So, according Ooh. to Cars and Bids, Doug Demuro, the market is finally slowing down from its peak, and sellers aren't ready to accept it. So he had some wow. interesting quotes because you know he has a lot of this data that he's looking at through his Cars mm-hmm. and Bids site. He says, sellers are showing me comparable sales from 10 to 16 months ago, insisting I set the reserve to match top pricing. Many people, even when confronted with the most recent sales, don't believe the market has declined from its peak. Sellers who rejected our reserve offer three, six, and even nine months ago are coming back now to ask if we'll still honor it. Meaning they're still trying to sell their cars for the same price that they set nine months ago for almost the entirety of 2022 with no one buying those cars. Mm, And on Bring a Trailer, I was looking on Bring a Trailer, a 2002 E46 M3, six-speed manual. Yeah, it's the generic silver one, but it's only got 97,000 miles. Normally would land somewhere 30, 35 K, $16,000. The bid the bid is at sixteen right now. No, that's or what clo- it sold for. It closed at it sixteen. It closed at sixteen. It cl- that's like SMG convertible M three money. You know that's it's. Uh, ah. So I think there's there's far fewer buyers now. There's more yeah. discerning buyers now. You know that's like, really interesting. So I have a couple questions here for you. Yes, uh, please. Let's. The first yes. one being is how long is it going to take you to get comfortable with your S two thousand being worth thirteen thousand dollars again? <laughs> I I can live with it, and I, I did have this conversation with Franco yesterday that, like, it's scary to drive a, va- a car that's appreciated yeah. because you know you're not going to get that money out of your insurance if something happens. Right. So, Unless you get it reappraised, right? Like yeah, if, if they even do that, yeah, sure, yeah. but then I pay more for insurance, right? So that's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. That's what... Um, sword. Yes, exactly. So in my mind, I'm okay with it. To be, you know, I've I've done my best to keep it as OEM as possible to maintain its value, 
just for even though I have zero intention of selling it, especially now, um, I just uh, I don't care. I guess where the values land in five to ten years, because I expect to have it still, uh, with no intention of selling beyond that. Yeah, and I'm 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 like I'm comfortable with mine being worth fourteen thousand too. Um, the thirty six or the um, ninety two. The E ninety two. The E thirty six is the E thirty six is too far gone. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Like that's, it's a very it's a very specific buyer now for that E thirty six. That's true. You know. That's true. So like yeah. I'm not I as as weird as it still is to say that car is worth nothing to like right. as, as a yeah. seller right as a seller yeah. the e36 yeah. is worth nothing right as an enthusiast as a guy who loves the car that car is worth everything to me but you know in order to sell it actually in order to be comfortable with what i'm doing to it i have to believe that that's true right that's very true you know yeah and, and then at the yeah, same time the type of person who's gonna want to buy a track car even though it is at a place where maybe you could put it back together, but it's going to be a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's a small market. So, but yeah, the the E ninety two, absolutely. Those prices are going down too, and uh, like everything, everything hit a wall. I would say a couple, from what I noticed, a couple months ago. Okay. Where you know I'm now not seeing cars like get listed and then fly off the shelf and listing gets closed immediately, right? Yeah. Or I'm seeing prices starting to go down, including with parts too. You know, which tends to follow, right? You know, it's you buy a new car, you're looking for parts, right? So the used car part, used car part market is also stagnating a bit. Are you seeing that for the BMW parts um, side of the world? Yeah, like wheels, you know, like uh, suspension stuff. A lot of like the used, you know, stuff that gets thrown around after a little while. I'm noticing that too. Where okay, for a little while, like everything was inflated everything uh-huh. was way too much now it's like okay you know sets of apex wheels are sitting the listing is up for months and months at a time now you know it, things aren't flying off like they used to uh you know e36 m3s even on craigslist will be there for a little while versus the immediate takedown from you know six months seven months eight months ago right so it's it might be you know within the next six months you know and things might normalize a little bit i mean with this e46 m3 i was shocked this might be an outlier obviously it sort of benefits my argument but yeah to go from a, like a thirty thousand dollar car a year ago to uh-huh. now sixteen thousand dollars that I yeah that was insane but you was know, it in, was it a california car it was not a California, it was a Pennsylvania car. Okay. I okay. believe. But uh-huh, it was uh-huh. it was under a hundred thousand miles. You know? It's right. like barely, but still under. So it's it's in it's in like the clean, not very clean echelon, but like clean echelon of cars. Right. So, to your so point the, thirty. The, yeah, la- it's, yeah. It's gonna take a little while, I think, for sellers to get comfortable with that idea. It yeah. always does. Obviously no one wants to lose money. But I think we're getting to a spot where things might normalize a little bit and we might be able to get into some things uh, that we've been wanting to get into. Yeah, I the S2000 market, I see a lot of cars available. I did look at one a few weeks ago because I was buying parts from the guy and his he hasn't sold it. It's a original Alvin um, 
it's like a light blue, like the powder blue one. I don't know if you oh, are yeah, familiar. Yeah, Suzuka yeah. blue with a OEM hard top. He's asking like 34 originally. He dropped it to 30 and still hasn't gone. Yeah. And you're seeing more and more of that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's on you guys now to start yeah. buying these cars, you know. Well, to... go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, just don't forget to start negotiating. Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah. I would also, and I'd recently read, this isn't my next headline, but I'd recently read that um, the chip shortage is like, like it's kind of at its end. But there's got to be a ramp up, of course, right? So manufacturing of cars has to ramp up to follow that. Um, So there will be a lot of inventory soon um, on new cars, which will incentivize people to buy. Did the background change on us? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Right on. Okay, we're at the coffee shop now. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so people will be incentivized to buy new over used, which will further devalue the used cars. Mm Mm-hmm. So... There you go. Yep. So I think we're converging at that point again where, you know, things are going to start changing. I I didn't think it would happen this soon, um, but I imagine probably in the next six months, that's when people are going to start getting more comfortable. I think it is like, how long would you hold on to a car that you're trying to sell, right? Is six months a long time? I think it kind of is. Yes, I would say so. Yep. So about there, you'll start so. decreasing, you know, what you're selling it for, and eventually yep. that'll bring the yep. market down. So it's interesting. Get your negotiating hats on. Anyway, let's get your next headline, Randy. My next headline. So in Europe, they're talking about legislation in the European Union for a black box in cars, along with anti-speeding technology. What that means is Big Brother will be watching you while you're driving. They, All the OEMs would be expected to install black boxes in your car that would calculate your speed and compare it to the posted speed limits and possibly regulate your speeds for you on your behalf. One of the issues from the article that I read on the source that I got this from was that if you're like driving in a tunnel and there's a road above your tunnel the and that road above you is slower than your tunnel speed limit the black box how will it know which avenue you're on unless there's more advanced sensors right on the road that you're on which is kind of crappy because if you get dinged because you're supposed to be going 45 but you're actually on a 70 mile an hour tunnel how is that kind of fair Right. On top of that, Big Brother is now watching you. So maybe there will be an increase in our, our uh, in value on some of our cars. Right, John? Because now who I, I obviously it's nice to have a brand new car with all the tech and all the luxury, but like it makes it less and less appealing. This especially would make it far less appealing for me to buy a car. I don't want people watching me. I don't know. One hundred percent. Like, I mean, I. <clears throat> They cannot, they can't tie this to like actual traffic infractions, right? They right. can't give you a ticket with this stuff. I at least I hope not, because mm-hmm. um, you're mm-hmm. right. There, there's just way too many variables to account for that wouldn't really allow this to be successful. Yeah. Now, for me personally, if I knew that a car had a black box in it, one thousand percent, I'm never buying that car. 
Yeah. I will I will drive old cars for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we keep our phone on us constantly. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. So that, that is true. It is like a little black box. I mean, they don't we don't they don't as far as we know, right? There's they're not recording how fast we're going and all our conversations, but they can very easily do that. So in terms of privacy, yeah, I think having another channel where they can record you and listen to you, that's ridiculous. We don't need that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. it's already there also. That's Uh, a damn good point. (laughs) Yeah. Because Google Maps is recording us. Exactly. Yeah. And the GPS knows exactly how fast you're going. So Yes, exactly. But it's this is a little more targeted in that now mm-hmm. they wanted to monitor how you're doing against posted speed limits, you yep. know, how aggressive your driving is, which is fine, right? I'm for the most part, I, like I don't speed, I'm not doing any of you know that crazy stuff, but at the same time, now they're tracking all your whereabouts, right? Exactly where you're going, it's just another tool for you know big brother to watch and control so i think i mean is this like a pilot are they testing it or is this something that's just gonna start doing already i don't have this well i haven't i don't recall the specifics around whether it was actually gonna happen let me take a look um i it's just um they did pass the law oh wow Um, so wow that sucks after July, wait, what? Are the controversial features are a requirement in every car introduced after July 26, 2022. And they will become required in all new cars regardless of launch date starting in July of 2024. And this is where in the UK? EU, so all of the European Union. So the UK is exempt because they pulled out of the EU. Oh, they're they're, they're going through different issues right now. Yeah, so. yeah, they've got their own. Yeah. This is the week of hell for them. Yeah, like, yes. Wow. Yes. I'm well, surprised yeah. that law passed. It's the EU. It's 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 a different beast versus the again the UK or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's I want like I wonder if that's a law like is that legislation that gets voted on or is that passed by like the representatives? I, I don't know enough. I don't think it's a voted on law. I don't I don't get the sense that yeah, cuz at the country level it's a weird situation, I'll just say. So yeah. you can go through each of the countries without showing a passport pretty much. So it's kind of like, it's not even like going to Mexico. You really can just cross the borders without getting your passport stamped um, as an EU citizen. Um, it's kind of like traveling through the states here, going from California to Nevada, as far as they see it. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's weird. And but I, I don't I, think, yeah, the people don't vote on this. Yeah. Okay, and I could see how the OEMs wouldn't push against this. Yeah, there's right. not really an incentive for them to, right? Yeah. Other than car sales, this one that I, that wouldn't fly here. That would not you, fly here. You don't think so? I don't think so. I don't think that would fly here. 
emissions yeah. here and stuff, like super strict, although they are over there too, I think. They're more strict than us on emissions, yeah. but the gas is also peaked at 10 bucks a gallon. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Or more, if not more. I, really it was like, hope, I really hope we... I can't believe that I'm hoping for $4 a gallon. I didn't. I never <laughs> thought <laughs> I would hear yeah. myself say that, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. It sucks. It definitely sucks right God, now. It sucks so bad. But anyway, let's get into yes. our next headline. Yes. And for this headline, it's another edition of Play Stupid Games and Win Stupid Prizes. So... Okay. Um, I actually uh, stumbled upon this on YouTube. A guy actually built a 1,300 horsepower Mercury Comet. And he claims, in the video, he claims that it cost him $203, 23 years, and two wives to build. So you can imagine the type of person this guy is just by that statement, because he literally sure. said it that way, right? So yeah. you know they, they uh, you know they go through kind of talking about you know the car, how long it took them to build, the brakes that are on the car are 17 years old, so he's been like slowly piecing it together um, to kind of where it's at. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they go on a cruise and they encounter some issues, and the first thing that that the first issue that comes up is. They're getting in the car, which is the owner of the car, and I think the guy interviewing him. And I'm going to leave names out because I just don't want to give them any promo. Sure. Um, and uh, they look at the harnesses. There's harnesses in the car. And they're like, oh, do we need to use the harnesses or can we just use the lap belts? And they both decide to just use the lap belts. Life has a funny way of foreshadowing in this way. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So they get into the car and the throttle is sticking, right? So they're, the throttle is staying at like 2,000 RPM or something like that, which doesn't seem significant to like a normal car. But with mm-hmm. a car with 1,300 horsepower, that is significant, right? Yes. So it, they're, while they're cruising, and it looks like they're cruising in Southern California. I saw a sign for like the 5 Freeway come up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they're driving, they're driving from light to light. And um, they're complaining about the throttle sticking. And then the passenger's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of smelling brakes a little bit. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm having to ride the brakes to keep the car from moving forward or moving too fast. Okay. He's got too much power and the throttle is sticking. So they can't figure it out. Every time he's coming to a light, he puts it on neutral. And then he's like hitting the gas to try to get the throttle to stop from sticking. And then, you know, he's hitting the brakes. But so far, so good, right? No issues. So um, he comes up on a red light. Light turns green. He takes off. The next immediate light ends up being a red light. And he's probably at about 50 miles an hour. When you see it in the video, he's, he's pumping the brakes. And he's like, I got no brakes. I got no brakes. And so he, he lunges to the left. And he's trying to find room within the line of cars in front of him to like sneak through because the brakes are shot. They're, they're not doing anything for him at all at this point. So he puts the car in neutral. He is charging forward. The brakes are stopping nothing. There is no room whatsoever for him to get through. So he just charges right into the back of a minivan Ooh. at like 50 miles an hour. And it's a huge wreck. And you see them on the video. They both brace for impact. 
the driver grabs onto the steering wheel and like literally straight arms the steering wheel. That's the worst thing. Which to do. you can imagine what that resulted in. Yeah. He actually uh, he like blew his elbow out. Ugh. The other guy, the other guy, because he had nothing to brace on and didn't wear the harness. Went face first into the dash and lost like the four, first four front tooth teeth, and busted his lip open. Yikes! Um, and so they're going through this video and they're talking about all the damage that happened and and the lessons that were that should have been learned and things that it should have taken into account. And the part that pissed me off the most is that there was zero mention of the victims in the minivan. Okay. Like, there's no information on how they are, how they did. Like, I, I thought it was, like, a total lack of empathy on their part to, like, not at least make sure that they're okay. I don't know if they did or not. They didn't really show demonstrate that. But what an absolute poor judgment throughout that whole cruise, man. Like, a 1,300-horsepower car, $203,000... And you start smelling brakes and having to ride the brakes in order to keep the car under control. Do you think you would have stopped or kept going? Well, dude, like the brakes and tires are the utmost, most important thing. I always stress that to people because they always um, short, try to cheap out on, on those two areas, right? Um, yeah. Because, they, yeah, they're consumables. So for me, obviously, no. If I smell something cooking... I will stop that car and kill it ASAP. Yeah. Although I didn't do yeah, that with the prelude. <laughs> I didn't push oil, forward. Oil's a little different. Yeah, but, yeah, well. But yeah, yeah, like, no, in this case, like, it's it, the the funny part for me, it's not funny, but the like, the just the idiocy of literally hitting different checkpoints where you're realizing that this car shouldn't be on the street, right? Before leaving, they talk about, you know, the brakes being 17 years old mm -hmm. and, tech, you know, technology is had way more advanced now with brakes. Yes. And when you have 1,300 horsepower, this guy clearly spent all his money on power and nothing on stopping, stopping. that power. Wow. And it's just, comp it's just so irresponsible, man. And, it's, uh, and we'll throw the video up. Probably here somewhere. Sure. Um, so you can see, and I'll, sh I'll send you the video as well, so you can see these dummies, man. Wow. Again, and they posted it themselves. That's the one good thing, right? They posted the video up, so the loss, the lawsuit for the guy the guy in the van or the family in the van or whoever was in the van mm -hmm. is going to be pretty easy to close with this <laughs> video. <laughs> you know, so this did happen back in December. So okay. it's been a while. It's probably already been litigated. But man, it, it was, I don't know. Would you post that video if you did something like that? Well, you, as you know, I'm not really a poster. And that's why we have a lot of, we lack a lot of content from my side of the world. But nonetheless, yeah. definitely no. Like just like the Tesla video over the hill in L.A., like, I don't leave breadcrumbs for people to have ammo against me. I, yeah. Whatever, you know, like, maybe I'm not, you know, I'm excluding, excluding myself from the world, but I just prefer things that way personally. Yeah, like, I don't know that I wouldn't post it. Okay. But I do know that I would want to dedicate a good chunk of that video 
to the victim's perspective, right? Even if they don't want to talk to me, mm -hmm. right? I should know enough because I think they mentioned in the video, like, as far as I know, the people in the van are okay, which means to me, which tells me that they didn't even check on them. Right. You know what I mean? It's like they don't even know if they're doing well or not. And it's, <coughs> and that's that's kind of a bummer because you literally, like, dive-bombed into their rear end. Yeah. Uh, you know, at 50 miles an hour in a, you know, 1,300-horsepower giant hunk of metal, you know, from, you know, it's vintage. So, yeah, I thought that was horrible, man. I'll, uh, we'll probably throw it up on our Instagram, too, to see these idiots. But, craziness. yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. All right. Last headline from Next. me, John. Um, the Hyundai N is rele N series is releasing a car this week, and some speculate that it might be a Hyundai Ionic Five N. Now, as a former KDM enthusiast, I actually have two questions for you. One is the N line of the Hyundai um, brand. Has it met your expectations as a former or current KDM fan? Yeah, I think so. Um, the cars have. But I don't think Hyundai's dedication to the N-Line has. Ah, okay. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, th I think the, the cars are definitely great cars. Um, you know, they perform well, mm -hmm. but in terms of like marketing and promotion of those, like it's, it almost seems like an afterthought. Like yeah. They're not really dedicated to making it a genuine performance line that's going to survive. And they, you know, that's, that's going to require a lot of money. Um, you know, it's, it, there's a lot that goes behind that. So I get why not everybody can be Toyota. Um, right. Right. But that's what I wanted to see a little more, right? I mean, I think they did do some rally stuff, and they might still be doing some rally right, stuff. Right, but it's with but... I-20, which we don't get. Yeah, you don't see, like, even things as simple as, like, you know, Nürburgring lap times. That's or, a good point. Or, you know, you know, things like that that you hear from Honda and Toyota. Yeah, it's not really there, but the cars are great. Now, with the Ionic. Yeah. Um, I would equate that to putting an M badge on like an X3. You know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Although I like the Ionic Five, I like it, but yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that. Mm. I'm not really too <laughs> fond of it, especially it being it's an electric car. Yes, right? so they're like moving their so end what line. Ma what makes it an end? Just. They're just moving it to the um, yeah to their electric vehicles to make it more appealing, I guess. As if you didn't have enough power yeah. already out of those electric motors, right? Like, so then what makes it sportier, right? Other than maybe aesthetics. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a crossover, right? Yes, it's but it's kind of like a lower one, so it looks like a hatch. It's that one, mm, but I don't think okay. that that's what is releasing this week. Because the silhouette for it looks like more like a car, actually. So oh, so they've completely redone. It might be then. I don't know if you know all of the different EVs for Kia and Hyundai. There's an EV6, which is it's using the Ionic Five platform, but it's a little bit more of a. It's got more Mustang Mach E vibes to it than okay. like. Whereas the Ionic is kind of like a DeLorean hatchback. 
if you want to <laughs> like um if you think about it so yeah the ev6 may get um quite a bit of power i guess currently there's a gt version of the ev6 that makes 577 horsepower yeah i don't know actually i, I have no familiarity with with kdm ev yeah, at all yeah i so i mean maybe it's cool i don't know um Damn, th this makes me feel like because the I think the Veloster N is done. Yes, too, the so... Veloster N is officially done. So yeah, this like makes it even feel like more of an afterthought, you know? True, like, that's the, true. The N line of cars. Yeah. So they're turning the N into an EV performance yes. line now. Yes. Yes. I wonder if that's a good mistake mm. or a good good idea or a mistake. If they do put some. If they do put some like real performance numbers behind it, I think it could be successful mm -hmm. and like real engineering. Yeah. Right? And 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 they prove it out. Mm -hmm. So they actually show that it's better performance. They show that it performs better at the track or wherever they want it to perform mm -hmm. better. Then yeah, it could work. But if they take the same sort of half-assed approach that they did with the Veloster, I, I don't I don't see it being any different than you know the Veloster line. It and again well. to repeat half-assed by means of marketing right not the product itself right exactly yeah yeah because i mean as we've found mm -hmm. right like just having a good product doesn't translate to sales and popularity that's right? there's true. a lot of marketing and putting it in front of people that is required and unless they do that it's not gonna happen. so where do you think they messed up on the stinger just out of curiosity, lack of manual or what? The I know, I don't think so. I mean, like, look at the Supra, right? I True. mean, it's hard to compare the yeah. two, right? But I think they just didn't. It's a it's a weird like, who is this thing for? Right. It's supposed like, to be for you and I. Right. Like young professionals Correct. with with some pockets to go out and buy something right. fun. Oh, you got pockets. Right They're now, empty, nice but too. they got pockets. <laughs> they <have a> <laughs> <of> pockets. <laughs> but but like so so in that case, like we were interested. It, it was cool. Yeah. It kind of appealed, but it they didn't really. I don't think they really pushed um, what that car was capable of. And you know, Carlos and Carla have both mentioned they've driven the Stinger, and that is a great performing car yeah. on the track. But we found out through Carla and Carlos, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. that is something that we should have found out through. Kia. That's a good point. And I think, you know, and those are the things that I think they should have invested a little more. Even it, um, even when I went to Kia Fest like two years ago, I think oh geez, point, four years ago, dude. <laughs> oh shit, you might be yeah. right. Yeah, I still had the real. Yeah. Um, even then, you know, the the Stinger wasn't. It was, they weren't even doing a lot. For, they were doing more for the Telluride. Telluride oh, really? Than the Stinger, yeah. Oh. They, they did way more for that car than they did for the Stinger. And that was Kia headquarters. And, <laughs> and that was Kia headquarters, right? And so it's like, you know, I just don't think they're invested in the small car game. Even though the Stinger was a little bigger, you know, performance sedan or whatever. Right. But yeah, I think that's what they just, they're not interested in that particular segment. Uh, which is weird, considering that's 
their bread and butter, right? Small yes. cars is Kia and Hyundai, yes. but yes. they kind of wanted to get away from that. Wow, crazy times. So, Anywho, yeah. Uh, yeah. what's your last headline? But anyway, last headline for me. Uh, so where was street racing big in the 90s? Randy? Well, of course, Southern California. Um, Detroit has always had a uh, pretty good drag racing scene. But I would say Compton is like the most renowned, one of the more renowned drag, drag racing, uh, one of those streets. I don't know what street it is, but um, that's what I would gather. Yeah. What if I told you Greece was a street racing hotspot in the 90s? I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't either. I had no clue. Wow. And apparently the popularity was brought on by Max Power Magazine. Have you heard of Max Power? I had Power? some issues. Yeah, it's a European super street. But it's... Exactly. Yeah, okay. Right? <clears throat> and they show so, boobs. Uh, by the way, they big... show boobs. That's why I bought them. Oh, of course. They're European. <laughs> yes, yes. So, and it's Greece. Though. Yeah. <laughs> you already mm -hmm. know. But apparently uh, street racing was huge there, even to a point where the cops were originally okay with it. And most of it happened in Athens, Greece, um, and uh, anecdotally, it's been stated that cops even participated in some of the street racing that was going on. Now, inevitably, somebody crashed, people crashed, people died, which sparked, sparked controversy, and now we need to institute laws to prevent this type of thing. And that's exactly what happened. So the government decided to crack down and in, and decided that in order to fight street racers, they had to become street racers. Mm. And thus, the Sigma Squad was born. Have you heard of the Sigma no, Squad? No, I haven't. No. What is this? So the Sigma this like plays straight out of movie out of a movie, and I'm surprised no one has made a movie out of this. This is like literally, it might actually be the plot for the first Fast and the Furious. So. They, uh, they put together the Sigma Squad, and what they did is they started building their own cars and uh, using impounded uh, 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 street racing cars. And they literally put a Sigma logo on each door and started using these cars to chase down street racers. Because the, the cars that the police squads currently had couldn't handle a lot of the cars that were street racing at the nice. time. Nice. So they, I mean, they, they had, you know, E34 M5s, E30 M3s, Audi RS2s, Porsche 911s, uh, Lancia Deltas. I mean, these guys were legit. And the two co-founders for the Sigma Squad were professional rally drivers. <laughs> right? They competed in the Panhelletic Rally Championship, and they even included uh, rally drivers from that championship as coaches for the team. For for the, uh, the for the Sigma Squad. So, question: I'm going to interrupt. Would you be involved in this program, given your mediocre feeling vibes towards cops? Okay, so ah, <laughs> uh, it's it's like this is like uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, like, so, like, if if uh, if like say Carlos, for example, right? He's uh, he's a great driver, an accomplished driver. So if if a program like this would have started, maybe he would found it. 
And then, right. and then he asked me, it's like, oh, let's do this. We're going to go get all the takeover kids. I'm like, let's do this now. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. But you got to join up with the cops you know, to do it. Yeah, that's the downside. Yeah. But the way the way the story, this story plays out, it really seems like the cops wanted an excuse to race without the consequences. Ah, okay. Okay. And, and and so it goes back to kind of my you know my issue with police right, right? with the abuse of power yes. right because that's kind of what it turned mm-hmm. into. I mean they were using all these fancy cars, all these impounded race cars, but in the end, the amount of crashes that they were getting into cost the government too much money to keep the program going. So all that tells me is that. You know, they were really just racing around the city, you know, Athens, like chasing, like maybe even not chasing some of these guys. Maybe they're even racing them themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And getting into these accidents and then it was closed up. But the weird thing is that there might be a return of the Sigma squad. Um, there's, There's some rumors and rumblings that it was supposed to return last year, but I think COVID prevented that from happening. Okay. But apparently, the the new Sigma Squad is getting a budget of sixty thousand dollars per car to start fighting some of this crime. A lot of it will be more focused on like drug trafficking and human trafficking and stuff too, not just car stuff. Okay. But the idea being that they're all going to get really, really fast, really, really dope cars to go start attacking crime again. Wow. But I, in my in my head, I'm like, why isn't there a movie called The Sigma Squad? Yeah, it's a cool name. You know, like... 60, yeah. 60K per car? You can build a fast 60, car with 60K, man. Oh, for sure, yeah. Wow. Especially, like, you know, gov- they're, they're using government contracts to buy these cars. Right, so right. Like, you know? Wow. They buy, like, a, I don't know. Were they going to have all Supras? I don't know. They're going to do a bunch of stuff with Where, that. Where'd you find that article? That's a cool story. Uh, I actually saw this on YouTube. Oh, okay. So, okay. yeah, so, and it went down like a Wikipedia rabbit uh-huh. hole. Because I, I saw a video on YouTube and I didn't believe it. I'm like, ah, somebody made this okay. up. But it's actually a real story where there was a real, like, professional rally drivers turned cops, you know, to chase down a lot of these street racers. Seems a little bit overkill. Yeah. But the fact that the crashing cost them so much money they had to close up the program yep. just kind of lets you know that maybe there wasn't all crime fighting. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Some of it was crime participation. I mean, the government did go bankrupt, but, so yeah. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, they mismanaged the funds. Yes. All right, but that takes care of our headlines for the week. Now let's get into our segments. And the first of those segments, Profiling the Legends, The Birth of the Miata. How uh, how well versed are are you in the birth of the Miata, Randy? Uh, not very. I did meet the, uh, or I didn't meet him. I saw the original engineer of the Miata at um, Japanese Classic Car Show here. He comes out of of which uh, of which Miata though? The and I I want to say the NA, but I don't remember. It could have been the N- okay. NB. It was one of the two. Not if it's not the same person, then obviously I don't know enough. But he was and he was the lead engineer for one of the Miatas, not the ND. Definitely not and the d- ND. Yeah. Did you know that um, the Miata is a big reason 
why you why you have an S two thousand. I believe that a hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the Roadster was actually dying um, before, like after like the sixties and seventies, and in the seventies, U.S. the U.S. was actually putting legislation down to ban Roadsters due to sort of their dangerous nature. Um, so it got to a point where a lot of these companies were like, well, we're not even going to attempt to, uh, to build a roadster at this point because it's going to be illegal soon. Um, but it was, it was all pending in the seventies and all throughout the seventies. And in 79, Bob Hall, who was with Motor Trend at the time, suggested to Mazda's Yamamoto that he should build a roadster kind of a la the classic uh, roadsters that were around in the 60s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea kind of went nowhere because of the legislation, but then in 1983, or early in the 80s, legislation actually just stopped. Um, it got nowhere. It kind of went away. And now Mazda was like, hmm, maybe we should pursue some of these ideas. So in 1983, um, there were teams in California and in Tokyo that started producing ideas for the Miata, which I didn't know. I thought it was exclusively done in Japan, Mm -hmm. but it turns out there was a team in California building ideas. So um, Mazda's management was skeptical, right? Only 2,000 Roadsters had been sold in the U.S. years prior to them coming up with these ideas. So it just seemed like, why would we take this on, right? But then again, you had to take on the fact that there was legislation that was potentially going to come down the pipe saying that roasters are illegal. So the California team um, put their design together and they pitched the idea as a lead to the RX-7. So they told Mazda, hey, look, our car is designed to help you sell RX-7s. Okay. That's the whole point of this car. And the Tokyo team took a bit of a different approach. But the California team designed a front-engine, real-wheel drive car um, that was based on the 1960s roadsters. Sure. Uh, kind of giving it that silhouette, and they emphasized building a ten-year car at this time. The and even now, the the cycles of of production are like four to five years. But they were saying, let's build a ten-year car, make it timeless, and that way it's cheaper to produce over the life of the car. So that appealed to Mazda a little bit. But then they looked at the car and they were like, ah, it, it just looks old. But then the Tokyo team, they brought in cars that were more like MR2 styling. And they had two proposals. Damn overachievers. <laughs> right? So the, the, the first proposal, it was a front engine FF car, right? Front engine, front uh, wheel drive with the engine from the 323. And the second was a mid-engine front wheel drive with the same engine. And they were uh, they were designed after the MR2. Very, very similar looking to the MR2 uh, car and they were hard tops. They were coupes, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, they're right? technically coupes. I don't know how they're it, coops. it's still a roadster. Yeah, they're, like that much is a coupe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they're still roadsters. So Mazda management looked at California's car. They were like, ah, it looks old. They liked the ideas that they had. Uh, but ultimately, they said they were only going to take two of the three options to move on to clay modeling. Um, so the California car wasn't going to make it. Uh, but the Mazda chief at the time felt bad for the California team. Um, they want to leave them hanging, I guess, since California is like a satellite, they were like, oh, you know, let's, let's throw them a bone and said, look, 
put your car forward to the you know to clay modeling phase but the whole idea at the time and everybody knew was that the california car wasn't going to go anywhere right it wasn't going to it wasn't going to get approved uh, mazda management didn't like it um and they just wanted to give them a shot at you know putting it in a clay model with no real intention of moving forward that is until they completed the clay models so the two Japanese models were closed tops, right? So they had they basically looked MR2s, and then the California model is very similar to what we see the NA is now. But what they did was they actually put a hard top on it, and in the unveiling they pulled the hard top off. Oh. And the and the chief designer for the MR2 uh, version of the Miata which was the mid-engine version, immediately looked at it and said, make that one. <laughs> really? Like the rival team, yeah, right? Yeah. The rival team. Like, you know, he he's, he does, you know, he, he shouldn't be saying that, but he was like, look, that's the one we need to make. And so it turns out that out of the three, the one that was favored the least is the one that they ended up following through with. So thanks to a team of Californians, yep. we have the Miata that exists today. Otherwise, it would have been an FF car or a mid-engine car, right? Yeah. Which the mid-engine would have been interesting, but, you know, who knows? Yep. I, I don't know. The, you know, the MR2 isn't as popular as the That's Donatics. true. Very true. So they decided to prototype it, right? The inter- the car was actually designed in the UK um, because of the Roadster heritage, right? So international automotive design in the UK designed it mazda and the california team let them know this should be modeled after the lotus elan okay and if you look at that classic roadster right it looks very similar to the miata so then in in this uh the prototype version was actually built on a 77 323 chassis a mazda 323 chassis the front suspension and the wheels were sourced from an rx7 and the rear suspension was sourced from the mazda 929 and once they finished that prototype they took it to california to test and the story goes that on the first drive out with the miata someone saw it on the street and essentially issued a blank check to take it they wanted to pay whatever it was whatever they could to have that car obviously they weren't going to sell their prototype but it let mazda know hey look you know we got we got something potentially good here so um, it was formally approved at that point. This is in January 1986. They formally appro- approved to move forward with the car. So design happened in California, but ultimately develop moves, development moves over to Japan. And uh, in Japan, the idea is, and I'm going to totally bur- butcher this, Jinba Itai. Yes. Which is horse and rider yeah. as mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. That was the whole idea behind the Miata. They wanted the car to fit like a glove, yeah. uh, obviously to people a lot smaller than me. <laughs> um, and they wanted to keep the design super, super simple. And that's what they did, right? Like easy, uh, easy top, easy for the top to go up and down. Uh, they lightened the chassis. They lightened the 323 motor um, to fit the car. And the, col- the goal was actually to build a fun track car, even though that's not kind of how it came out, right? For a really long time, the Miata had a reputation of being the hairdresser car, the, you know, like it wasn't considered a performance car, so to speak, Mm -hmm. Um, at least in the mainstream. 
uh, as much as it is now. So they actually tuned the exhaust after listening to about 100 recordings. They tuned the exhaust to that of an MGB. Okay. Um, that was a direction. That was a direction that they got. They went with pop-up headlights, but the California team actually wanted the ellipsoidal lights that the Dodge Neon came with because they were lighter and there was less things to break, essentially. So they didn't want so the pop-up lights is what you're saying. They didn't want pop-up lights. The there what if California the Californians, as great as of a contribution as they made, but if they would have had their full way, we would have had a Miata with a Dodge Neon front end. Oof. <laughs> and I think those uh, yeah man and I think those pop-up headlights made that car yeah I think yeah that's why we like you know, I mean like, that's why I like the NA over the NB yeah yeah exactly a lot of people feel mm -hmm, that way mm -hmm. a lot of and so they move forward with uh, they use RX-7 mechanisms on the headlights for the Miata which they knew worked they actually during this time tried making a coupe but it ended up being too heavy so they scrapped it. They they realized that in order to make it as good of a performing car as the Roadster, they would have had to increase the power on the motor, which all this money right. and all this stuff. So they're like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. So they scrapped the idea of the coupe because they were actually afraid of the Roadster not working. You know, the, granted, you know, we started it this way. They didn't know if the Roadster would work or not. They were the first ones essentially doing it again after potential legislation shutting it down. Right. So they launched it in 1989 at the Chicago Auto Show, and Miata Mania started immediately. They estimated 250 to 500 cars a month. They were doing 3,000 a month right off the bat. The first uh, generation did a 430,000 units wow. of the car, you know, and they weren't expecting it at all. I mean, they were talking about, oh, Roadsters only sold 2,000 in the last couple of years. How many can we possibly sell? They blew it out of the water. And from this point on, everyone got back into the Roadster game. I think Ford put out a Roadster at this point. It flopped. Um, you know, all the European brands are jumping back on the Roadster game. Um, but, of course, it just brought it back into the into the mix. And I think, you know, it has a lot to do with the S2000 coming up. You yeah. know, like, the Roadster would have died in some way well you know who's to say that some other company wouldn't have brought it back but the way the miata did it you know they they definitely brought it back with a big big bang and there was was during the 90s before the s2000 was there can you think of any other roadster that really made an impact in the same way no, or was it equal not, competitor not the way the miata there was is. no other competitor right no, there was no one that held a candle to yeah. Miata. I mean, it was, you know, designed by, you know, designed by the U.S., but the Japanese no performance. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Ford's version was built on the same Mazda platform. Did I forget what the name Ford? of it was. Ford Road. Yeah, but it, it looked it looked more like a wedge. The Miata, I think, was ahead of its time in terms of like the smooth styling. Um, it got re it got really far away from like the '80s styling of cars, whereas the Ford version, which came out three years later than the Miata, uh -huh. uh, was actually still very boxy. Very, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a good looking car. Obviously, it wasn't as good of a performing car. 
Um, so yeah, not there. Were, I don't think there were any cars at the time that held the candle in the eye. Ah, the Ford Capri, I think, is what it was. Ford Capri, yeah, there you go. Or the yeah. Mer- Merker XR, whatever. I think is that what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, maybe. Yeah, I don't even really remember what that looks like in my head. Right, like whereas yeah. the Miata, it's like embedded in our brains. Whether you're an enthusiast or not, everybody can imagine what a Miata looks like if you just say the, the oh, name. Oh, for sure. Yep. Huh. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Yes, I. And the rest is the rest is We still industry. have it today. Yeah. Yeah, one of the last manual cars left out there. Oh yeah, that's true too. Yeah. And still true to the Roadster, you know silhouette and name and everything yep wow that's awesome dude um yeah so do yeah. you think uh it, it didn't mention anything about directly impacting or influencing an s2 the s2000 did it oh no no i didn't tie okay. them. no i didn't tie them at all but i mean they were sort of trail they were the first ones to go against the grain so to speak True. right i mean everyone True. at this point was saying no roasters are dead mm-hmm. you know the governments don't want them right and they decided it's sort of what toyota's doing now right like everyone was talking about small cars dying and no longer surviving right and we're not going to have them anymore and then toyota came up and just drops a bunch of them on yeah us. i think that's what that's what mazda did with the roadster in you know the late 80s early 90s that's an awesome story yeah i mean i didn't even realize there were so many shared parts as well yeah yeah same here man i had no idea that it had been designed in california yeah um when do you think it shed that whole hairdresser or do you think it still carries the hairdresser um no now it's a meme you know, the hair, hairdresser thing is a meme, yeah. but because uh, like the ND, it's not really a chick car anymore, right? Uh, w- was it ever a chick? I, car? I don't know if the ND was. I mean, I I wanted one. I I wouldn't mind owning one still. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I think uh, I think somewhere. I think somewhere around the NB. Oh yeah, yeah. That is when things started changing a little okay, bit. I mean, okay. yeah, and but it wasn't until recently that I don't know. Like even when we were younger, right? Like when we were going through the tuner mm-hmm. scene, Miatas weren't. They were never on the. Nobody did that one. No, nobody was. Nobody. It wasn't cool. But it definitely was. Wrote wrote. Yeah, I don't know. It definitely wasn't. I mean, the the S2000 was the favorite road. Yeah, because of the movie and Honda, right? The Honda brand. And there weren't any Miatas in Fast and the Furious, right? Maybe in one of the street racing scenes, but I don't remember it. So, yeah. Yeah. Del Sol, there was a Del Sol. Yeah. But that's not a a roadster. That's just a uh, coupe with a T-top. But at that time, was were we still looking at that? I don't remember if we were still looking at that car as a hairdresser car. I think it just wasn't in the mix. Yeah. Like, no one was hating on it, but it wasn't in the mix. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was never on the yeah. import tuners or, like, radar, really. Yeah. I think if we could find, like, when chassis become affordable track cars 
that's probably when the Miata like flipped. had a turning point. Well, they did they yeah. did make a Mazda Speed Miata, which was I believe like a small turbo engined um, Mazda. Do you remember the year that that, that came was out? probably the NC? So like early two thousands maybe, yeah. Because they were trying to chase this whole like turbo engined compact car because they did the Mazda Protege MP3 if you remember that car right and that was a yeah. turbo engine four cylinder um, and them and Dodge were really the only ones that did that the Japanese still stuck to NA um, despite all that uh, so let me look at Mazda Speed Miata 05 Mazda Speed Miata okay and so yeah that's probably around the time where things started started changing. yeah yeah they, so they developed that, that car in the late 90s for a launch in 05 there you go man yeah interesting huh yeah for sure man it's uh yeah I thought this was pretty cool I mean it's you know the the Miata is like uh this is one of those cars that are made me feel claustrophobic. Yes. But it's also one of those cars I wish I could feel comfortable in. Well, as far as your same with the S two thousand. Right. As far as that as your list, it's does it rank below or above any gen Miata versus any gen S two thousand, which one would be higher? Or have a higher place? Oh, probably S two thousand. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I don't know that I'd put any gen Miata above an s2000 mm, okay and, and i know a lot of that has to do with the nostalgia and growing okay. up with the honda car right but right yeah i think me the miata as a track car is a more proven platform yeah. although the s2000 doesn't fall far behind yeah. actually let me let me retract that statement i will say the miata is probably a more supported platform in the track you know scene and kind of with Miata spec races and stuff like that. They sold half but, a million uh, in that first gen, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you can easily... and it's more affordable. Yeah, that's... or used to be more right. affordable. I don't know. I don't know where it is right. now, but yeah, that's uh, the S two thousand definitely wins for sure. It's just it's got <laughs> the 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 language that I was going to use is the S two thousand is a manlier car, <laughs> <laughs> which might still have to do with sort the of like you know, what I learned about the Miata back in the day. But I, I'm honestly I learned I learned about the hairdresser thing about the Miata after the world had moved past it already. I had never seen that car as the girl car the hairdresser car i i never the only car that ever fell into that category for me was like the v6 mustang really that was the car around here that was like okay there's a girl driving what um, was my seventh gen celica ever considered a chick car because i got made fun of by my cousin about that and i was like i don't know what you're talking about because it i didn't i never heard uh, that no i don't think so no I don't that think was so. kind of I don't know that we had I don't know that we had any there's no category I don't know that we had a lot of that maybe Detroit was bigger on the whole chick car thing because we I don't know that we had a lot of I never heard you this is the first time I'm hearing chick car let's put it oh, okay way. well and also granted coming from the Midwest generally when you've got v8s everybody's got a Mustang or a Camaro 
anything other than that is automatically a chick car because it's just automatically slower, right? Uh, or a Trans Am. That's not sexist. Though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, obviously, we yeah. grew up in the 90s, uh, okay, so that's what it was, no. right? So, yeah. Here here it was if that's what you saw. Like, like the V6 Mustangs specifically. Yeah. V6 Mustangs. For some reason, a lot of women gravitated towards that car out here. Okay. So that's the only car I think that got that you know, kind label. of growing up that we saw that uh-huh, way. Uh-huh. And then the Miata, I understood the hairdresser meme that was going yeah. on, but I never. It was never something that I. I never saw the Miata that yeah. way. I just kind. Of, it was just kind of a neutral car that I don't really pay a lot of attention to. That's exactly where I would categorize it to. I never really noticed it. it I mean, it's not like striking the design of it, the NA and. Yeah, I'd say only the ND really like caught my eye um, throughout my life. So I actually really like the NA and the NB. NB, you like the B? I like the B. Okay, the, with the the first one with the fixed yeah. lights. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was cool too, but again, like it's just it's such a small car. Yeah, that it's kind of hard to keep it on the list just based on that alone. Makes sense. But that is the birth of the Miata. Very nice. I thought that was a lot. I thought it was a very interesting story that they very have. Nice. But anyway, let's get into our last segment, which is childhood seat time. Yes. The Power Wheel. Big Wheel Edition? Power Wheel Big Edition. Wheel. <laughs> <Okay>. So, John, <laughs> I know we had talked about this, and this is more of a general conversation around the Power Wheel. Firstly, did you ever own a Power Wheel? I did not. You were not. You, you did not. I did okay. not. Back then, obviously, they were far more expensive, right? They were newer technology. Uh, like, what parent in their right mind would own or buy a toy that big for their kid, right? Yeah. I had, because Filipinos specifically that immigrated here are all of the medical field, field my godmother, who was a physical therapist, she bought me a i don't know if it, i don't think it was power wheel brand power wheel but it was obviously a motorized vehicle electric with a battery that i as a child would drive myself and i was probably like three years old the funny thing about it is is that we lived in an apartment <laughs> oh what? yeah in detroit we lived in an apartment in detroit and i had this big old power wheel so the only place and we had winters on top of it. Yeah. So the only place I could drive it during the winter or bad any bad weather um, was in our hallway, Lake Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> four feet forward, four feet back. Four, yeah. And my dad has a, he used to have a big old camcorder that he'd sit on his shoulder and he was recording me driving it. Randy, Abante, you know, which I know you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah. What? Yeah, and I just go... Wait, so you never took it outside? Well, we only took it outside probably, like, two or three times. So, the, our parking lot in our apartment was gravel. Great. Yeah. So, I couldn't drive it there, or they didn't have me drive it in the parking lot. It was it was a super tight parking lot. It's in the hood, so you can imagine, like, it's not accommodating of parking spaces. Um, Got it. And then the one or two times that we did... Take it to the park. We only had a Volvo um, sedan as a car, a family car. Uh, so okay. you got to get 
it like anywhere this power wheel you would have to put it in the trunk and like elastic tie or in our case like twine probably tie the trunk down right. or keep it from flapping or whatever so we only took it to the park once or twice once probably and on top of all of that one of my mom's friends one of the aunties or whatever um decided she wanted to r ride and drive the thing which as you can imagine in the 80s they, they weren't scaled for a lot of weight and yeah no. so she ended up making my power wheel a stanced power wheel <laughs> in my <laughs> camper like a muscle <laughs> Did she know? She didn't. Nobody did. And she wasn't a big lady either. There's, these are tiny, skinny Filipinos, and it's the 80s. So nobody yeah. was um, really thinking about that. And so she drove the hell out of it and looked like fun. And it's on, it is on camcorder video. But oh my God. after that, I actually think she ruined it to a point. Oh, I know what it was. We had to move back to the Philippines for green card reasons. Um, they were changing laws, or we were illegal, one of the two. And... Um, so nonetheless, um, when we got back, I don't even know where that power wheel ended up being. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of remember feeling like I wonder where that thing is, but didn't bother to ask my folks because we had to like basically leave all our stuff here and live in the Philippines for like two months or whatever. What? Yeah, just to clear up paperwork stuff. Yeah. But you were born. I here. was born here. It was just their transition to green card status had to be like. We had to stay over there for a bit to to come back and all this jazz or whatever. Nothing really illegal. I'm just kidding about that. But um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm familiar with the yeah. process. So. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> fast forward today, as you shared um on our Instagram, right? We have my kids who have like these fantastic power wheels that are now two seater. You can get different shapes and sizes. There are even Porsche and Mercedes power wheels that, you know, they they appeal to the douchebag parents, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For right, sure. Right, yeah, right, right. So I guess in your mind, would is that something you would indulge in for your kids, knowing that you didn't have a power wheel yourself? Yeah, and you don't have kids. How So how, I'm... Oh, God. Oh, um... How much is a power? Two fifty. Two to two fifty. Oh damn. Yeah. You might be able to get a little like they have six volts and a twelve volt version. The six volt is usually yeah. like a one person like rider. So it might be like an ATV shape or whatever. Um those can get you in like a hundred bucks range. Yeah. Yeah. See, like I think I I I subscribe to like the the you know home improvement Tim Taylor parenting. Sure, sure. Where I think, I think I might hold off on Power Wheel age. Okay. And go right into go kart. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. There are mods for Power Wheels, though. I don't know if you. I've seen. I've seen that as okay, well. Okay. I've seen okay. Okay. Well. So you. you... But then you're limit you're limited by because the tires aren't yeah they're plastic are they're they still rubber? hard plastic. Are they plastic yeah they're hard plastic okay. but you can do mods like um you can uh, get um power um power tool adapters and just throw in a Dewalt battery on that sucker to extend your range and or oh. increase the juice essentially right and and right, increase right. the the yeah. voltage to to get it way too fast so. 
Yeah. But I think my, for me, it, it's also because I never really, the only, ex, I had one experience with a power okay. wheel. Just one experience. And it was, uh, my mom was a nanny for this like, you know, kind of rich family in PV. Okay. And she took me with her to work once, and the girl had a Barbie power. The wheel. Jeep or like a car? Was uh, it? It was. Oh, pink. it was a pink car. It was probably know. the car. Okay, it might have been a Corvette. Yeah, might have been a Corvette. Yeah, okay. Maybe I, I don't remember what it was, and I remember driving it, and I remember as a kid feeling like, "What's the point of this?" <laughs> really. You know, like, <laughs> Yeah, like it didn't because it barely moved. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it wasn't. I mean, maybe it was on low juice. I don't mm-hmm, know, but it, mm-hmm. it was just like it wasn't fast. It was, and I had no real concept of what fast would be. I was only really comparing it to like you know my mom's car or my dad's. Right, car, right. You know, but and so maybe I think because of that, I'm like you know. What what is what is Power Wheel age? Uh, Calvin, no, 10? you could get them once they're walking. They technically are Power Wheel age. With oh, with, really? with a six volt, you can throw a one and a half year old on that thing, and they can go to town like within a. It's slow. It, it drives slow as hell. But yeah, they could be in your patio driving around. Calvin, who is my son, who is three years old, he is so experienced with the Power Wheel that he can do three point turns. Yeah. He, when we took him to, at Legoland, they have, like, a glorified power wheel that's on a, on a track. So there's, there's yeah. two tracks there. One for his age, which is four years and under, and then four years and up for the older kids. For Calvin, he was one of the few kids that could do full laps, and it's an oval. So he was doing full laps without crashing and able to yeah. avoid people, and he knew what to do because he had childhood seat time. <laughs> so maybe maybe you're right See, so i was looking at the entry point for power wheels being much later uh-huh, uh-huh. so in in that case if it is one and a half this is a really good entry point. yeah 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 before your go-kart because yeah. go where would you before the where, go-kart yeah where would you yeah. put a go-kart um if looking at my kids and having watched my kids grow up where what age would you put a one of those kids in in a go-kart Oh, man. What's kindergarten? Five? Uh, yeah. So, and yes. I'd say about there, five or okay. six. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you'd be the cool dad. To spe- and an electric go-kart these days, it's like three to five for an electric go-kart. Yeah. It would have to be electric for yeah. sure because you wouldn't want to kill your kid with fumes. But, um, but yeah, I would say that's probably like if they're old enough to go to school, then they'll probably until they mess up. Okay. I would say that's probably where it would be a good starting point. Ah, okay. Five or six. So you'd be yeah. the cool dad that would buy the kids the electric go kart because not even none of their classmates really have go karts. It's not really a common thing. No, I think uh, especially around here yeah um but obviously it wouldn't be just like hey here's a go-kart yeah you know it's kind of be like all right let's go to k1 ah see okay, what you can okay. do right although I, I imagine in some of these places they probably wouldn't even allow them to drive at k1 there's like a junior i you know this right there's like a junior cart that's like but i think you have to be like three that. feet tall at least to get into those 
Yeah, I don't something know. Something like that. So you can start young, but it's a that's an expensive endeavor. You're almost better off getting the buying the go kart, which would have been three K one sessions, and just have your own. In my opinion, yeah, that's true. And just go to like different. Yeah, tracks. or just go to a park and drive it on the grass or whatever, and or just have them do like a Adams Motorsport Park like course. Yeah, you know, like a weekend course or something. Yeah. But yeah, that's where I would see like you know put them in, put them in the real mm-hmm. thing like see you know if they enjoy that. Uh, I don't know the Power Wheels thing, man. I don't know. I don't know. I've never really been into well, it. Well, I will say my folks bought it, not me. So they bought it for my nephews and for my kids, like one each. Um, it's like an easy shared gift too. So from a cost perspective, yeah. when you're thinking, you know, for two kids, you buy a two hundred dollar toy. That's not really like the biggest impact on your wallet. Um, yeah, but you, I don't know. That's a, I didn't know that they were that expensive. You consider that expensive for what it is? For what it is, okay. yeah. I maybe maybe the new ones are a little better. That's, I I just don't know. Definitely the new ones are better. My '80s one, the battery wouldn't last worth a lick. Obviously, how long does the battery last on a? On the oh jeez, they. I mean, driving it, they could it could last for days. They only drive it within our yard. And uh, okay. that'll get them like almost. They don't drive it every day. It's not like a daily thing. But if they did, I would guess maybe forty plus minutes okay. of actual drive time. Do you think it could make it? Do you think it could make it up your hill? Oh yeah, it, without question. I actually. Oh yeah. I, I don't even have it on the most power setting. There's a, another setting that I have to remove a screw. It's it's governed essentially. If I if right. I like remove that screw, they would have another like power level two setting kind of like a lawnmower and they'd be able do they know they that? don't know that no they don't need it <laughs> like yeah they don't they don't they're gonna find out i mean i would find i out. mean i should uh, well especially with a three-year-old i i should probably just um unleash it and see what happens <laughs> 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 now you gotta get on your camcorder yeah yeah now it's just in my hand it's just a little phone in my hand right versus on my shoulder shoulder mounted like a bazooka yes oh man yeah yeah i don't know no yeah i had no experience with power wheels or big wheels as a little kid i kind of was like oh it'd be cool to have one but like i said i drove one once and it was just maybe it was because it was a barbie one that doesn't help so was your first wheeled experience then just a bicycle basically or did you have like a pedal car did any of your family members have like a pedal car uh, no, no pedal cars. I think my first wheeled experience might have been a skateboard. Oh, really? Before bicycle? Yeah, yeah. Ah. And then it was, and then it was a bicycle. Yeah, and it was just manomatic stuff yeah. from yeah. there yeah. until until I could drive legally. Ah, yeah. I see. Yeah, I see. Fun times. Yeah, man. So we need to. We need to. Do they make power wheels for adults? Are those just called cars? <laughs> well, like I said, there's like the electric um, go kart thing. So Segway got rid of their whole like that stand up weird thingy or whatever, and yeah. they've converted completely to like what was the hoverboard slash, and they use that hoverboard design to also power like a sit down go kart thing. So you yeah, attach yeah. it, I think, to a, like a seat with a chassis, 
and then you have a uh, a air quotes go kart. So that w I would consider that a go kart. They also have those drift carts, which are actually more for kids, but I th a lot of adults tend to get on those. You know what I'm you know what I'm talking about, right? The drift like the tricycle. No, they're like little mini power wheel type things. Oh, but they have a handbrake. Yeah, they have a handbrake, so you can yeah, drift. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, about. yeah, yeah. So yeah. that would be a, I would classify that adult go kart, but. I mean, even with the money, even though we can afford them, you and I don't, like, have an interest in really buying those. No, it don't, but I do get into, like, modes of, like, seriously considering these things. Just like the RC Oh, cars. yeah, yeah. You know, because a lot of these things we wanted to have when we were right. children. So now that we can have yep. them, sometimes we're like, oh, let's do it, let's yes. do it. But yeah, are you going to use it once, and then it's going to collect dust in the corner for, for the remainder of its life? Yeah. So unless I come into like dumb money, I don't think I'm we gonna... have dumb money, John, for these toys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Let's... You know, like I think dumb dumb money is when you no longer have to think about retirement. Oh, uh, okay, fair enough. That's that's a good. That's a. Yeah. I like that bar that you you put. Yeah, like if you have the rest of your life set, uh huh. Then you know, then it's then we can spend all that money. That's dumb money uh -huh. for sure. But until then, like, I still have things to worry about and, you know, retirement to plan for and all that stuff. So, uh, buy Cafe Carrera, you know, that's the greatest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, indeed. So, I mean, I guess that's our episode. That is our all episode. All right. So, how do you find us, John? You can find us at 91octane.com. That is all letters, no numbers. Also, like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Follow us on Instagram at 91octane. If you want to send us any emails, info at 91octane.com. Also, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to try the best single-origin coffee from Guatemala that you ever try, try Cafe Carrera at Carrera.cafe. Use code BIGWILLOW for 10% off your entire order. That includes all the swag from uh, uh, our site, 91octane as well. So feel free to hit that up. Um, but I promise you it's some of the best coffee that you'll try. Any last words, Randy? Shout out to the designer of the Miata for giving me my S2000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out. Shout out to those crazy Californians. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. All right. Good night. Good night.